Welcome to Kids Considered, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Vanderlist. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. So today is... Oh my gosh, what is the date today? It's June. (laughs) (laughs) It's already June. It's June 17th, 2020. Mm -hmm. And it's been about three weeks since we did a coronavirus update. Mm -hmm. um, Because not that much was going on. We were at a point where we were all social distancing. A lot of people were home from work. But since then, things have started to reopen Yeah, a lot. A lot has started to reopen, and things are slowly going back. We can't say to normal, but closer to normal. People got so tired of the social distancing, the isolation, the lack of being together. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't think that we're where we were, but people have started to go back into the workplace. Hair salons are opening, gyms are opening, restaurants are opening, and so there's sort of a new normal that's developing and we're all trying to figure out how to go about this. So I'm curious to talk to you about it and see some of your thoughts about the reopening. But let's just start talking about the fact that coronavirus is not gone. It's still very much with us. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about the data, the number of cases, the incidents that we're seeing right now? Yeah, so in the U.S., we did a very good job of social distancing, and that really resulted in flattening the curve. And we didn't get the surge of cases in most places in the U.S. Of course, we know we did see that in New York and Mm -hmm. um, the Northeast, and that curve is flattened too. But what we initially saw was the number of cases decreasing, and so we were really optimistic. But as we've opened up and as we continue to ramp up testing, actually the curve now is not going down. It is flat, and so we see a steady number of cases. We see a steady number of deaths due to coronavirus, and we're not seeing that decrease um, anymore. And the modeling predicts we're going to stay that way probably throughout the summer, and then in the winter, it's going to pick up again. In the fall and winter, it's going to go up. Mm -hmm. And why is it this steady curve now, and why do we think that we're not going to see a spike? I'm just curious, especially with all of the protests that have been going on, the reopening. Is it just because people are being more cautious? They're wearing masks. They, you know, schools aren't in session. There's not big sporting events and concerts. Or is there still the possibility that we will see another spike? Yeah, I think we might see another spike, but you've hit on the main points. There's kind of a yin and yang to it. So on the one hand, there are people wearing masks and people continuing to social distance, and yet we are opening up and we know we have increased mobility compared to the most severe times of the lockdown. So we are having more contacts, more chance for spread of the virus. Mm -hmm. But as of right now, we're in a good spot in terms of hospital beds, ventilators in most parts of the country. In most parts of the U.S., yeah, there's, there's, there's hospital capacity, there's ICU capacity and ventilator capacity. That's not true in many other parts of the world. We're seeing in places like Mexico and Brazil 
just skyrocketing number of cases where they have yet to reach their peak. Mm -hmm. So how many cases have we had in the U.S. as of today? Gee, I didn't look that up yet So <laughs> today. So I know we've had... Um, <laughs> I know we've had uh, about 2 million cases in the U.S., approaching 2 million cases, and the CDC reported on the summary um, through the end of May, they had more than 1.7 million cases um, included, and so they described some of the demographics. Yeah, and so it still seems like it's hitting the elderly the hardest Mm -hmm. in terms of mortality. It's hitting people with underlying conditions like Um, heart disease, lung disease, diabetes, they're 12 times more likely to die um, of coronavirus. And then, of course, um, like we've talked about before, thankfully for us as pediatricians, kids do seem to be less affected still. Yeah, you know, kids less than 20 years of age only accounted for about 5% of the cases. And there's research that's just coming out this week that show that Children are are much less susceptible, probably 50% less susceptible to getting infected compared to young adults and older adults. I wonder if that's just because of more exposure to other types of coronaviruses or why that is. Do you have any hypothesis? You know, there's been several hypotheses, but I haven't seen anything proven yet. Some have tried to link it to um, receptors for the coronavirus. Others have tried to link it to... Um, the innate immune response that children might have, and it's really just not known. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that we've seen and we've touched on on one of our previous episodes is really the the big racial disparities that we're seeing in people that are um, infected with COVID-19, specifically looking at African Americans, and it seems like they are being infected at a much higher rate. Is that correct? Absolutely. It's really disproportionately um, hitting black Americans. They're dying at twice the the rate as white Americans. And so we should probably talk about some of the factors that um, enter into that. Yeah. And I think that, you know, a lot of people are saying right now the Black Lives Matter movement is going on. And a lot of people have talked about two different pandemics going on, you know, COVID-19 that's affecting them and racism. And mm-hmm. um, we're going to be having another podcast specifically talking about racism coming up soon. But this mm-hmm. is this is really, really tough. And I think that we're seeing this higher rate because oftentimes African-Americans can live in more densely populated areas and more suburban mm-hmm. areas. They can live in multi-generational households. Of course, we know that this um, African-Americans are more likely to be in incarcerated or in other places mm-hmm. where COVID-19 can spread easily. So there's a lot of systemic issues leading to why um, specifically African-Americans can be more effective. Right. And we talked about how people with underlying conditions are more likely to die. And um, Black Americans have underlying conditions and lower access to care. They're less often insured. And they really have a higher rate of these serious underlying chronic conditions that aren't treated. And so that all adds up to this death rate that's that's higher. It's a tragedy. It really, really is. So we've talked a little bit about everything opening back up. I'm curious to see what your thoughts are. Like, are you going to be going to restaurants? 
you know, we've talked about that and we just don't feel the need for that. And also my wife has really wanted to visit her mother who is 96 years old. Oh my goodness. And so we, we worry about transmission to her. So my wife's been very careful about sheltering in place and I've been careful too, but as you know, both you and I have been going to work. So, yeah. you know, I do have more increased risk of exposure. Plus, I'm the designated household member who does the um, errands. So, I've been going mm-hmm. shopping and getting groceries and stuff. So, yeah, so we don't really feel the need to do to do that yet. Yeah, we're kind of in the same boat. We have opened up our inner circle of friends just to like a f- couple more people where we've been hanging out outside at a distance, mm-hmm. sort of doing backyard barbecues. But we still have, again, not seen my parents indoors, kind of just, you mm-hmm. know, distancing hellos outside. And so... We as well are easing back into it. I think, especially if you've seen COVID nineteen, it's mm-hmm. a little bit scarier than if it's just you know you hear about it on the news. Mm-hmm. So I am slow to go back out, and I am definitely wearing my mask when mm-hmm. I am going into grocery stores or to pick up to go food. And I think that this brings up a good point because initially there we were still learning about masks and i know that we had said that they may have not been effective but research is coming out that is showing that they are effective correct right so so i was wrong i'll just say that <laughs> um, that's make sure. never happened before <laughs> all right i'll just say it very plainly <laughs> which is that early on we were messaging that the masks don't protect against disease unless you wear an n95 mask because the the virus can get around the gaps in the mask and that turns out to be wrong it turns out that even the simple surgical masks not the N95s, but the rectangular surgical masks, that those protect against transmission. Wow. So, I mean, it's good to know. I'm happy that this virus has caused there to be a lot of research done on transmission of viruses that hadn't been done before, like, you know, surfaces and masks and distance that it can travel and obviously, it's different for every virus, but mm-hmm. um, we are spending a lot of time learning about this specific one. Right. So initially, we talked about masks, and we talked about how they don't protect the person wearing the mask, uh, but they do protect against transmission. And there's some research coming out now that really proves that, that wearing a mask prevents transmission in public. And this study estimated that there's a 50% reduction in transmission among the public with standard surgical rectangular masks. And that if everyone wears a mask and you have a lockdown, you have dramatic decreases in the number of cases. And you even see benefits even if only half the population wears a mask. And so we would encourage everybody to wear a mask for that reason, to be a good community member and decrease transmission in the community. Yeah, definitely. And I would say that when I go out, maybe about 50% are wearing their mask, but that's that sounds like it's still better than nothing. It's still better than nothing, but wait, there's more because <laughs> wearing a mask also protects the person who's wearing the mask. So the healthcare worker or the public it, it protects them from becoming infected. And another study looked at that, and they found that face mask use in general resulted in an 85% decrease risk of infection. That was most dramatic for the N95s that um, resulted in 
96% decrease, which wow. makes sense since mm-hmm. they're filtering 95% of the viral particles. Is That's the standard that they oh, have. Oh, get, get it? And 95? I guess uh-huh. that makes sense. That's why they yeah. named it that. <laughs> exactly. Whereas the surgical mask, but the surgical mask also protected the wearer. So uh, among those who are wearing the standard rectangular surgical masks, there was a two-thirds decreased risk of infection. So it Was protects- there any studies with the homemade fashionable cloth mask? There were some studies, but they weren't as robust. It depends, obviously. There's a lot of variability in how those are made. But closer to the surgical mask, you would think. Closer to the surgical mask. And at at the worst, it's estimated that they work 50% as well as a surgical mask so that they should still provide some protection, both from transmitting and to the person who's wearing it from becoming infected. Okay, well, that's all good news. And of course, you know, we hate to get anything wrong on here, but we are always the first to admit when we're wrong and walk it back. So um, we apologize yeah, we, for we, the misinformation we in the beginning. But um, but we, we weren't the only ones who got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So definitely wearing your mask as we move forward into this time of reopening and sort of getting back to a new normal We will try to keep our listeners as up-to-date as possible on how they can best keep themselves and their families safe during this time. Again, please feel free to reach out to your healthcare provider if you're experiencing any symptoms or your family is experiencing any of these other hardships that we see that are coming up as a result of COVID-19, including food insecurity, job insecurity, increased stress or mental health problems. I've been seeing a lot of kids in clinic that are experiencing some of the anxiety around everything that's going on, sadness that they haven't been able to see their friends or they've been out of school. So these are all extremely important things that we want to be able to help our patients. Right. And I just want to say one more thing about the masks. Sometimes you hear hear people say things like, I don't believe in masks. You know, what we were talking about was science, right? We were talking about studies that, like, prove that they work. It's not a belief system. It's it, it's not like believing in the tooth fairy or the Easter bunny or something like that. I mean, it's like you don't have to believe in gravity. You're still not you're still going to be affected by it, right? So this is science. Masks work. There's not a question about that. So if you don't wear a mask, you're just making a choice to not protect yourself and to not protect others. Yeah, definitely. That's a great point. So we will be back. We are not going to be doing this weekly or every other week as of now, but we will make sure whenever there's new information that needs to come out that we will record an episode. So thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. That wraps up this episode of Kids Considered. You can find more information on our website, kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu. Follow us on Twitter at Kids Considered. And Instagram at Kids Considered. If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. Please call us. Our number is 916-915-3388. Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com. Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital.